Welcome to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast for fans who aren't ready to let go and newcomers to the series who are ready to jump in. I'm Drew Shulman. And I'm Marie Vigourou. In this episode, we're diving into Supernatural Season 1, Episode 6, Skin. Let's get this show on the road. Well, Drew, are you ready for our weekly recap? I think I am. You think you are? I'm kind of mentally preparing myself, <laughs> but I think I'm ready to go. Perfect. All right. Three, two, one, go. We get a cold open, girl tied up in chair, SWAT team coming in to save her, and they catch this horrible menacing man in the window about to escape, and it's Dean? <laughs> Shocking? I, Dean is evil? What? Sorry, I just, the entire scene killed me. We then cut to the boys. Uh, a nice little conversation, which I think is going to be a big subject for us later, is the whole, what do you tell your friends about us? Mm-hmm. We then have a phone call, or a, sorry, an email on the oldest, shittiest email app on the phone I've ever seen. Uh, friend of Sam's. Palm pilot or something. It is. It's a Palm One. Oh, great. Uh, one of Sam's friends tells him that her brother is being accused of murdering his girlfriend. He says, let's go look into it, and Dean's all like, mm, it doesn't sound like one of our cases, but they go anyways. They learn about this whole being in two places at once, and then that dog being a little angry about the, the murder scene, and he's like, ooh, maybe this is for us. Um, oh, we also have Sam lying about Dean being a cop, which I think is a fun one for once, that it's Sam doing all the lying instead of Dean. Dean's just playing along. Anyways, we have another situation where another doppelganger shows up to kill a random woman, and this time doesn't get to finish the job and runs away. We then figure out this might be a shapeshifter. So let's go after the shapeshifter. They go after the shapeshifter. Shapeshifter gets away. And they decide to split up for some reason. <laughs> ugh! That's how long this recap is. It's worth me going, ugh, that out loud. Anyways, they split up. Shapeshifter looks like Dean. Dean goes after Sam. Sam pretty much catches him, but is too chicken to shoot his own brother, understandably. Um, wow, this is a really complex ending. Shapeshifter ties up Sam. He has Sam and Dean captured in the sewer. Goes after Becca. They get they, they they end up calling the hit on Dean from the cops, who saves Becca. We then have Dean against Sam's wishes to go after the creature, and ends up finding the real Becca, only to find out that Sam is with the fake Becca and is trying to uh, turns back into Dean just to kill him because he really wants to get a message across. And we got a lot of really interesting stuff about Dean in this episode. But finally, Dean shows up, kills himself and they get away and i have so many questions did you call time time okay time yes yeah, sorry <laughs> two minutes and How'd 21 seconds yeah sorry there's a lot to unpack in this and a lot of questions i have <laughs> so before i do my normal hey did i miss anything because i'm sure i did i want to bring up a few things i know i missed okay so you're gonna do how do <laughs> Yeah, this I'm going to so question funny. myself, and then you're going to answer for me, because awesome. I'm really worried. <laughs> Good, go um, ahead. Number one, the big glaring hole. Do we ever come back to the fact that Dean is now a wanted criminal? Yes, yes. For possible murder and attempted murder? Yeah. Okay. Honestly, like, there was the part of me that's like, this is never going to come up again. How do they explain this away? Or they're going to bring it up, and I'm excited. No, so they do bring, bring it up. up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually excited, and it makes me feel better. Good. I'm happy about that. <laughs> okay. 
Um, I think I've come back down from my high of confusions. <laughs> and have I missed anything crucial that we need to talk about? You know, I think that the recap itself was pretty good. I There are some things that I want to dive into with you, but I figure that we can talk about it like during our brothers segment. Well, you'll see. I have a fun activity planned for you. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. This is a, episode's full of surprises. This episode is full of surprises. A little bit like the actual episode of Supernatural that was Yeah, full this of one uh, did some fun stuff for us. It really did. Would you like to jump in right now and in, into the brothers? Let's jump in right now. So first off, you know, you said that you were confused by the episode. Can you like what did you think overall? Because I have to say that when I first watched it, I was pretty perplexed myself. I think it's very interesting because it does something very bizarre. Okay. In that it gives us this character, the shapeshifter. We get to use this character to do two really interesting things. And one is learn more about Dean because it is psychically linked to Dean and getting Mm -hmm. his memories. Mm -hmm. So we get what I feel like there's always that gimmick in a show where they have to eventually have one character divulge a secret to another character. Mm -hmm. So to have it be this thing in Dean's mind and using this knowledge it has of Dean that is secret from Sam as a weapon against him is just such an interesting take on it. Mm -hmm. But we now have a situation where Sam knows things about how Dean feels about their relationship about himself Mm -hmm. that Dean doesn't necessarily know that Sam is aware of. Ooh, you're like, wow, you're, you brought in some points that I really want to discuss with you. Do you remember when we first started this podcast and I told you that even the Monster of the Week episodes teach us something about the brothers? I mean, I think this one does it very plainly and on the nose, but yes. <laughs> right? So in my opinion, it's really no accident that the Monster of the Week this week is a shapeshifter. Because this week we learn about boundaries that the brothers have between what they show to the world and what they keep to themselves as their inner world. Oh, ooh, I like that. And we see that the shapeshifter actually like breaks those boundaries in many ways. And it's really interesting because all of that really shows up in dialogue. It doesn't happen in things that we see. It happens in things that we hear. And it happens in things that are said between the characters. And that to me is even more interesting because sometimes Dean will say something and you're not too sure if it applies to him or Sam or vice versa. And that happens throughout the episode. So I tried to untangle all of it by myself (laughs) and I just couldn't. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a lot of this episode is things being said, some very evident things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when the shapeshifter admits that Dean envies Sam for getting to have yeah. a normal life. It's very on the nose. Mm-hmm. But then some of the other things aren't. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I figure this is also another moment we were going to tie into eventually, mm-hmm. is when the shapeshifter starts talking to Becca, not as Dean, but as the shapeshifter. Ooh. And then there's kind of that level of how much of this is the shapeshifter being itself uh-huh. and how much of it being Dean. Well, Drew, this is exactly the question that I want to ask you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I love when we both take our own paths but get to the same destination. To to the same destination. It just means we're in simpatico on something. Exactly. We just basically took different flights, but we landed in San Francisco. <laughs> and here we are in and a nice sunny are. San Fran to discuss shape-shifting creepy creatures. Exactly. Well, so I actually figured that we could play a little game. Oh, I'm ready. Wonderful. I will read you a line from the show and you tell me who says it. And then we can discuss who it applies to, whether it's Sam, Dean, the shapeshifter, or all of them in different ways. Well, I'm ready. You're ready? 
First line. Hey man, I get it. Telling them the truth is far worse. So first, do you remember who says that? That is Dean to Sam. And how does that apply to Sam? I think it, as much as it said to Sam, I think it's Dean reflecting on himself more. Oh, true. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is, a, this is brotherly advice. This is one, I think this is a moment where Dean kind of gets to put on the big brother shoes and mm-hmm. goes, I've been a hunter longer. I've been in the game longer. Mm-hmm. This is my expertise. Let mm-hmm. me pass it on to you yeah. as advice because it's something that I'm already doing and is clearly the superior method of dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Telling them the truth is far worse. That really applies to both of them, like you said, right? Because Dean, as you said, has been hunting for longer and therefore knows that this that telling the truth to people is just not an option. And we will see mm-hmm. in a future episode why he thinks that way. As for Sam, he has an inkling, right? That this, because he's not, he's lying to them. He's not telling them that Mm -hmm. he's actually hunting. So he knows to a certain degree, but Sam is quite in denial, right? Like that's his way of dealing with this. He's just like blinders on, like, I don't want to think about this. I'm just, I'm just taking a road trip with my brother. Yeah. Like I almost feel like the advice comes across as the truth is bad. So lie. Mm -hmm. Where I think what Dean really means is the truth is terrible you're better off just not having friends. It, yeah, that's definitely that's that's definitely the way that it's meant, I think. that I, I think that mm-hmm. that's definitely the intention. Is it also perhaps that if you tell them the truth, they won't love you anymore? I could definitely see that angle. I mean, I think it's very easy to see. And I think that's, I'll be honest, as a viewer of the show, if I had to make an assumption, mm-hmm. we will eventually meet people that were considered friends of Dean's who are aware of what he does, whether because Mm -hmm. he told them and they've, like, you know, shrugged him off as, like, crazy. Mm -hmm. Just seems like a very easy step to take in the world of developing Dean's character. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine it being in that role, being this demon hunter and having to tell your friends, like, hey, this is what I do. Deal with it. And they probably went, no, we're not going to deal with it. Bye. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about queer coding last week and i think that that is one of those lines that is also very queer coded right Mm. telling them the truth is far worse yeah from that angle too it makes perfect sense if we're just going back to the basics of dean has secrets and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's better to just not tell people the truth yeah it might be easier to live with it that way next line you lie to your friends because if they knew the real you they'd be freaked again dean to sam dean to sam Okay, good. Like, there's the level of me that's like, I want to get this right because it's fun. But also, let's now dissect this line. I mean, I think it kind of wraps into the same conversation we were having that yeah. it is just, you know, if there are people around you, whether you see them as friends or just people you need to speak to, we've seen it up to this point. They lie nonstop. All the time. Albeit for the greater good. Mm-hmm. But how many times have they posed as cops mm-hmm. or FBI agents or who knows what else? Exactly. Park rangers, I think, once. Yes, park rangers. They do that again later. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is basically a continuation of the last line, right? It's just a different way of saying it. And it introduces the word freaked or freak, right? So, Mm -hmm. and that's going to be a very important narrative arc for particularly for Sam. So I thought I thought that it was important to bring it up anyway. And and in if we can dovetail into the next line, me, yeah, me, I know I'm a freak. And sooner or later, everybody is going to leave me. This is the shapeshifter as Dean to Sam tied up in the sewers. That is actually Dean. 
No, when? I think it's in the same conversation, actually. Hi, everyone. So it turns out that Drew was entirely right. This is really Shapeshifter Dean who is talking. But we decided to keep the conversation anyway because we thought that some of the points that were happening were still relevant to the conversation. And it just all made sense, except for this one little piece. So there you go. Now you have the fact check. Like at the gas station before they go to a... Oh, man. Yeah. I I think just having the perspective of, like, I'm picturing that scene in the sewer that was so prominent to me. Yeah. I just picture these revelations that this creature is having, this very, like, though I have Dean's memories and thoughts, I'm going to be much more vocal with them Mm -hmm. to you and more vulnerable. To have a line that sounds so vulnerable Mm -hmm. actually from Dean is kind of shocking. And again, I, I mean, I, to steal your thunder, if we go with the queer coding angle, freak can have a few different meanings. Oh, absolutely. I'm a freak, and sooner or later, everybody is going to leave me. Oh, Dean. I know, I know. He just wants to be loved. <laughs> I, just... I just want to give him a hug. Oh, my Stupid God. That baby. is, I, Drew, if you're starting now to feel this way, you are going to have a very <laughs> difficult time in the next 15 seasons. <laughs> because I've had it my gets heart worse. ripped out by many franchises. I'm ready. This line is just so heartbreaking because it defines Dean in so many ways. You're right, though. It's a heartbreaking revelation to have someone just so readily admit that, like... And again, like I said, it's in an episode where we know, I know coming up there is a more unstable emotional version of Dean in the shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. To be then looking at these lines, it's such a a brilliant game to do this with because it really does make you realize this stuff. Yeah. I mean, he is really... I don't want to say self-defeating, but just there's a level of pessimism there of why should I bother? It's just easier to cut to the chase. But I mean, he even says it. I'm not sure. There, I'm not sure if it's the, the shapeshift. No, is it, yes, the shapeshifter says it. He says, you know, everybody left him. His mom left him by dying. His dad abandoned him, even though he did mm-hmm. everything that he was asking. Sam left. I mean, Dean lives and and through the 15 seasons... Dean lives abandonment after abandonment. And, you know, there are few characters who don't leave him. And I mean, at some point, like, the unfortunate reality is, like, even if it isn't true, you start to blame yourself at that point. You can't not. And I mean, especially when you have the coping skills of Dean, like, you are for sure going to to blame yourself. Yeah, I feel like his coping skills are pick up some hot chick, get drunk, and maybe shoot a demon. Let's move on. Next line. Maybe this thing was born human, but was different and hideous and hated until he learned to become someone else. That is the shapeshifter as Dean on the couch with Bex. Yes, that's exactly that. Who does this apply to? Does this apply to the shapeshifter? Does it apply to Dean? Or does, does, it, does it apply to Sam? Oh, it's, it's so tough because the, the, initial, the initial read I had of this scene, and now you're making me second guess myself, is it's the shapeshifter explaining who or what he is. But... You put in the context of just the way we've been looking at Dean this episode, especially kind of his development, even though this is kind of a Sam-ish episode, it really is a Dean episode. This is a Dean episode. It is a Dean episode. Yeah. I, think, I think it's really well framed as a Sam, it, mm-hmm. to look like a Sam is the episode, but yeah. it's really all about Dean. Mm-hmm. But It's one of those. I think ultimately it's about the shapeshifter, but I don't think it's untrue about Dean. I agree. And we will see in future seasons that this could also be about Sam. Oh. Yes. Hmm. Because... Sam, we find out some stuff about Sam that makes him feel like an other in his own body. 
And mm. so this line, if you were to take this line and put it, let's say, in season, I would say like season four, that would work. The idea of planting these seeds. Oh, yeah. Of setting up something like a recurring line or a recurring theme. And as a viewer, you go, oh, I understand. They really mean Dean. Mm -hmm. And then to pull out the rug from under you five mm -hmm. seasons later and go, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Surprise. This is this is the success of the show, yes. clearly. Like, I know a lot of it is the love of the characters. I know a lo lot of it is the relationships. Mm -hmm. But that level of writing, just kudos to whoever did mm -hmm. this. That's Eric Kripke. We have to, you know, give him his flowers. Good on him. Good on him. Interestingly, also... This mm -hmm. could be read queerly in a way that to me is obviously problematic, but still there is a queer reading of, you know, having something different inside of you and then learning to become someone else and to to pass as straight. Right. Yeah. I think it just sort of comes it comes out to the same idea of you were born and I hate to use the term, but I'm air quoting it as hard as I physically can normal yes okay <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i get and it and then realizing you are not the cis white male that society yeah. says you need to be have to be should be yeah you begin to feel like you're not and you mm -hmm. have to evolve to blend in when you are not what you th you appear to be exactly next line yes please i kind of understand him he's all alone close to no one all he wants is for someone to love him he's like me this is Dean, Shapeshifter Dean to Sam when Sam is tied up next to the pool table. No, this is Shapeshifter. What? This is Shapeshifter Dean talking to Becca about the Shapeshifter. Ah, brain. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't watched this episode, I, I don't understand. You, just go watch it. It's episode six, season one, Supernatural. Just go watch it. <laughs> No, it's it's truly a really well done episode. Like mm -hmm. I feel like it's it's very dripping with the tropiness of like a character being another character or like mm -hmm. mistaken identity. Mm -hmm. But it handles it so well. Yeah. To break away for a second again, like when Sam first encounters it, the shapeshifter Dean, mm -hmm. and right away goes, "You're not Dean. What did you do with him?" Yeah. Just it shows off how brilliant Sam is. That he's able to put things together so quickly and go like, "No, no, I know my brother." But then there's the self-doubt of, do I risk shooting this thing that might be Dean? Mm -hmm. like, I can't do it. I, I'm, he's like, the confidence is so there. But then as soon as he has to pull the trigger, oh, what confidence? It's gone. <laughs> yeah, because there's a finality to it. Yeah. Right? It's one thing to accuse, another thing to pull the trigger. There you go. This quote, we're meant to believe that this is... We're not too sure if it's the shapeshifter talking about Dean or Dean talking about the shapeshifter. Or Dean talking about Dean. Basically, this is just like a mind meld at this point of the shapeshifter and Dean. I really think, now that you've put it in perspective for me, I really think everything in this scene, from like this point till the end of the episode, mm -hmm. the shapeshifter is speaking for both of them. Yeah. It almost seems that there's like, it's either too connected. They really are a one-to-one -one simile of each other. Mm -hmm. This creature sees so much of himself in Dean. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's always that moment, too, of, you know, he's disguised as, as Bex, mm -hmm. knocks out Sam, ties him up, but then switches back to Dean. Yeah. There's no reason to do that. Mm -hmm. His plan wasn't to get caught, because then he would just get arrested. His plan was to flee the scene like every other time. There's nothing filming them that would, you know, lead the cops to believe it was Dean who did this. 
but he turns back to Dean for reasons. It almost reads like there's a connection. Like it feels a connection to Dean more than it did to Becca. Yeah. And it has to do this. Uh-huh. You know, this is really interesting because I hadn't actually thought about that. But when they're in the sewers, I think the shapeshifter does say, you know, oh, I'm I'm sad that I'm going to have to leave his body. You know, there's the, so you can see that the shapeshifter has that connection mm-hmm. or, you know, like has that, I want to say like attraction for Dean's body. I, I was going to say, <laughs> if we even look at it from the queer, the queer coding angle. The fact that he's going to miss this body, that he finds his body to be a little better than other bodies, and he connects to it more, maybe there's also a level of not admitting it's attracted to the same sex, assuming it has... uh, This is assuming it is male Mm -hmm. when not in a form. We'd have no evidence Mm -hmm. of this. But there is an attraction to... Presumably in this scene, if we're really going to go a little... Let's not get so deep into it. Let's go a little bit surface. Yeah. It has a same-sex attraction to an attractive male mm-hmm. while being in the body of a character who we are thoroughly believing is secretly gay. Mm-hmm. Just, it says a lot on so many different layers <laughs> that it's really hard to pinpoint. But there's yeah. some, but you know there's something there. Yes, exactly. Well, so, okay. All right. Let's Let's open... <laughs> a bit of a parenthesis here, but it's it's very related to the topic. So I think I've mentioned it a couple of times now, but like the type of my, the research approach that I use in in my research is hermeneutics, and that comes from the word Hermes, who, as you know, is the messenger of the gods, mm-hmm. right? And in the hermeneutic tradition, the messenger is also a shapeshifter or a trickster. So the messages that are brought to you aren't always clear, and you have to try to like untangle them to understand them. To, you have to make them make sense. And so it was really special for me to watch this episode with this in mind, because like considering how many valuable messages were brought by the actual shapeshifter in the episode and how many of those messages need to really be studied and examined in order to be understood. And so if we keep that in mind, Dean does a lot of the message delivering, right? So he's the messenger, the trickster, the shapeshifter. And Sam does a lot of the message deciphering. So in the sewers, like you were mentioning, when he's saying, like, you're not my brother, this isn't my brother talking, like, Sam is basically reading the subtext of, like, yes, Dean has issues with me, but he still does love me, right? Mm-hmm. So the shapeshifter is telling Sam, like, oh, he has, issue, he has issues with you, he, he's, he hates you, he, you know, he's being very, like, very literal, and Sam mm-hmm. is like, you know what? Those things might be true, but that doesn't mean that my brother doesn't love me and isn't going to be there for me. And so there's that level of the brothers doing what we're trying to do right now in seeing who is saying what. Isn't that well, the really meta levels you're bringing? <laughs> <laughs> this was already such a tangled mess, and now you just added a layer on top of it. I'm loving it, but I'm so ah oh, brain. Are you okay? Did I break you? <laughs> no. This is literally, you have put in front of me a pasta bowl of the most tangled noodles ever, <laughs> and I want to eat all of it, but I physically can't. <sighs> but no, it is a very valid point, and I know hermeneutics, something you were studying, you brought it up before, and I know we are going to go, I do want to do an episode where I really just learn more about the subject from you. That's cool. Yeah. Of this this method. But I did not know that part about the idea of a shapeshifter delivering mm-hmm. the messages. Mm-hmm. So to add that to this episode is just 
it is icing on an already deliciously iced cake. <laughs> it's the sprinkles. And I am someone who loves frosting. <laughs> there you go. And I'll take some sprinkles too. That's what this is. Yeah. This is like a full package cake. <laughs> well, I'm glad. There's my I'm quote glad. for the episode. There you go. <laughs> the icing on the cake. <laughs> it, you know what's funny is that I did not like that episode when I first watched it. I thought it was really? too gory. Just like blah i didn't love it but watching it Mm -hmm. again this time i think this might be one of my favorite episodes of the season what i want us to kind of really remember from this is that in this episode we're seeing also how the boys deal with boundaries and how they put up those boundaries because for sam it's through denial like we discussed it's like no you know i'm just on a road trip whereas for dean it's repression and Mm -hmm. we are going to see the boys do that time and time and time and time again. So I think that this was a really interesting way to bring it up and to to set it up. I mean, the framing device of this episode, I feel like I've used the term a lot before, ironically leaning on this as a term, but there's a lot of crutches the show uses mm-hmm. to tell story. Mm-hmm. This, at first glance, was my opinion of it, but now going into it and seeing how it was not just used as a writing ploy, it was really used as a character development. It was really used yeah. to deepen so much and tell us so much while giving us nothing evident. It's really impressive. Mm-hmm. So we have learned a lot about the brothers. We have learned a lot about their secrets again. <laughs> and we might have learned a lot about the shapeshifter, but that's, I guess, we'll learn more when we... I know we meet another shapeshifter later in what might be my favorite episode that I am aware of. Mm-hmm. But for now, I think we are ready to move into critical time. Something I noted in this episode that I would... You kind of hinted at earlier and I would definitely want to bring up is... This is really our first gory episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I feel like I can't picture someone else being murdered or killed or dying in the show. Where, like, yeah, there was bleeding. Mm -hmm. But there's never been outright torture. Like, you see these people being killed or, like, being attacked... And they're not just being murdered like, oh, I stabbed you, you're dead, I am a demon, woo. This is, you kind of see it in other shows, I, I picture Criminal Minds or even like CSI episodes, it's, this shapeshifter is playing with his kill. Mm-hmm. It, it is enjoying every moment of torture, it, it doesn't want it to be over quick. Mm-hmm. The kill isn't the goal, the torture is the goal, which is yeah. just made so much creepier when you realize this person is watching a loved one do this to them. Yeah. Like, you have the moment when the um, the unnamed businessman comes home to find his wife tied up and she's begging him to stop. Mm-hmm. That's insane and heartbreaking and, like, morbid to a degree. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've also got just kind of the, the gross-out factor of the shapeshifter leaving its skin behind. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately that moment where it shifts out of Dean's form and we have the, like, the teeth popping out and the nails, yeah. like, oh, like... I'll be honest, the only part of this episode that really affected me in, like, a gross-out factor was the fingernails coming off. That is one of those weird little, like, no thank you things. Like, the teeth, creepy and weird. The skin splitting, eh. But, like, the fingernails, I was like, no, <laughs> So that's, that's where you draw the line, Stop no that, fingernails. Okay. That's, that's weirdly my, my point. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. That's fine. I think the goriness of this episode helps us vilify the creature a bit more. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise especially when it's talking in this tone of am I Dean or am I the monster when it's discussing itself. Mm -hmm. 
you almost sympathize with it. And I feel like if it wasn't so evil and so grotesque, it would be hard to justify them killing it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the gory factor here, the grossness factor, is really just their way of saying we've created a creature that doesn't deserve to die. We need to give it this darkness. Yeah. I'm just, I'm always so perplexed about the shapeshifters on Supernatural. Because every other creature in on the show, whether, you know, it's a demon, vampire, angels, werewolves, you end up meeting, quote unquote, good ones or nice ones. But we never meet a good shapeshifter. And I don't know what that means. I'm not there yet. So you know, the whole process of untangling. I don't know what that means. So I think the important thing to note then is to kind of go at future shapeshifters with this lens of are they doing things on a writing level or a visual language level to arbitrarily make us dislike them Mm -hmm. because otherwise they might be redeemable. Maybe. I mean, there's also the whole idea that shapeshifters can blend in wherever. And so you would never know if the person next to you is a shapeshifter or not. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm trying to think if, like, let's go with the other... So something they do bring up in the episode is that, again, shapeshifter legends are very prevalent Mm -hmm. in a lot of cultures. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this with many of the creatures on the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mary last week was a great example. Yeah. You have these legends that permeate through multiple cultures and worlds and people. And again, I did a little research on shapeshifters. And like they said, there's many examples. But a lot of them tend to be more trying to fit in Mm -hmm. rather than in this case, kill. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if they had to go with that angle, I could imagine them writing this creature that's maybe taking someone out to then live in their place. Yeah. Yeah. And if we then had a creature that was doing this, I could even see them writing a good one that's taking out bad people and replacing them with a itself being a better version of them Mm -hmm. and turning their life around almost. Hmm. And this is exactly why when you think of this creature who we've now gotten this little inside scoop of and seen whether it be through just emulating Dean's emotions and thoughts or whether they were purely its own, it just wants to fit in its own way but has its own issues. Mm -hmm. And its issue is this tendency to murder. (laughs) Tendency to murder. Weird way to say that. But we need that darkness to make it a monster of the week because otherwise it would just be this poor, helpless thing taking trying to fit in. <laughs> right. It would be too relatable. <laughs> yes, it would. It would. Sorry, let me rephrase that. It would be this poor, helpless thing who just wants to be loved and cared for and fit in with everybody. Well, gee, I wonder. Not like who... any main character on the show. Exactly. Well, gee, I wonder who you could possibly be talking about on this show. <laughs> yep. So yeah. I think the gory factor albeit a little gross outy and a little bit might turn some people off because I know some people just don't deal with that stuff well. Yeah, I don't love it personally. It's not my thing. Yeah, I think it was... Could they have toned it down? Could they have done a little better without it? I think it just became a really easy visual language of making us realize how evil this creature is mm-hmm. to avoid the accidentally getting empathetic for it. Yeah, I think that there's also definitely, like, you know, that idea of creating discomfort in the viewers. Like, especially, like you were mm-hmm. talking, you know, when Dean transforms, or like when the shapeshifter sheds Dean's skin. There's, I mean, the intent must have been to make the viewer feel uncomfortable with what was happening right and that discomfort to then see 
that creature speak in a way that could be related to Dean? I, you know, again, is this meant to make us feel uncomfortable about Dean? I, I again, I'm not sure. I can't quite read this episode, and it's really frustrating, <laughs> as you can imagine. For Which me. I think is what makes it such a good episode. I, I think, like, again, your point of it being your possible favorite this season, yeah. I think is a valid, I mean, regardless is a valid view, but I can understand where you're coming from mm-hmm. because of those things. Yeah. I know you had some other points you wanted to bring yeah, up. Yeah, I just wanted to say, did you notice a little bit also that I think we had discussed this with Rochelle in episode four, Phantom Traveler, about how the show is still looking for like its stylistic signature, right? So yes, here the the music is definitely different. Uh, the music that they're mm-hmm. using, particularly for when the shapeshifter sheds Dean's skin, is just yeah. I I don't I don't even know how to describe it. I looked up the lyrics and the meaning, and it's it's quite disturbing. The content which. Which does suit the creature and the scene they're setting. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think, like, I heard that song and my first instinct was I jumped right back to that conversation of, this doesn't seem like supernatural music. (laughs) No, it's not. But it did suit the scene well in that it was kind of like, it made me uncomfortable because it didn't feel like the music that should have been there. Mm -hmm. But you're also showing me this thing shedding its skin and popping out its nails and teeth and it's like ripping its own skin off so the visual language suited the audio language they chose in this moment totally agreed and i think it comes back to that idea that rochelle had introduced of like throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what what sticks and i think that this was definitely one episode like that where they tried gore and horror and let me tell you right away, it didn't stick all that much. <laughs> hmm. But I do think that this... I don't recall there being much other than this episode. No, but I do think that it works, like you said, for this episode. Is it time to listen to a voicemail? Yes, we have a beautiful voicemail today yes, from Amanda. Hi, this is Amanda. Just wanted to say thank you for the introduction into the supernatural universe and the supernatural gospel I love listening to your podcast in order to get an idea of what the characters are like, what the world is like, what um, the lore is behind the supernatural beings and entities. I absolutely love it. I actually listened to your podcast to see if the show would be too spooky for me, Um, but it's just the perfect amount as long as I watch it during the day. Um, So I just wanted to say thank you so much for all of your insight and your critiques and i love listening to you both discuss it and um you're great keep it up i'll keep listening bye thank you so much i love how that was a little different than your voicemail that was a lot more of like a fan letter and my heart is melting a little bit also on your previous point of using our podcast as a guide for which episodes to watch or if it'd be too spooky i'm not gonna say skip this one but just the warning as you may have just heard from our previous conversation it gets a bit messy (laughs) Don't don't know how that'll work with you, but just to be safe, you have been warned. Yeah. Amanda, thank you so much for your voicemail. I just, I can't believe that you started watching Supernatural because of our podcast. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a really wonderful compliment. But again, I also want to apologize profusely to you for what we're about to put you through. <laughs> <laughs> but on the bright side, I just want to say that the show is spooky but it really is spooky in the first season the tone changes in season two and we'll be able to see that so if you're feeling a little bit spooked you just gotta keep your head down and power through 
and we will get to less spooky days and more just full-on emotional suffering, which is much better, really. Much better. Yeah, much easier to stomach that. <laughs> it goes down with ice cream a lot better. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for your voicemail. Thank you, dear. Now we can move on to, I will still say my favorite section of the Crossroad deal. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get started with it? Sure. I really had a moment where I finished this episode and was ending my little recordings. I like to record myself as I watch in case I have any good thoughts or just to send out as fun content in the future. And it kind of hit me that I couldn't think of something to change for this episode. Really? I, I mean... Little things, yes. Things we've touched on before. I had some ideas, but I couldn't think of anything, like, new or unique. Okay. And the first one that came to mind was the splitting up with stupid thing, or... I don't know, like, the only... I have two that are both really, really small. Okay. And I think I'm gonna go with one that is a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. And that's a weird amount of... I'm trying to find the right words for it because the word I want to use isn't the one I want to use. But this weird glorification is the word I want. Okay. This weird glorification of guns. Ooh. Say more. It's small. It only really comes up that one time when they're loading the silver bullets. And again, I know silver bullets are a very regular weapon against evil things it comes up in werewolf lore it comes up in a lot of other cultures Mm -hmm. silver in general is seen to be the the uh, a pure metal it's what's used to stop people or things but there's then these like glory shots of them loading the gun of sam holstering in the back of his pants you know dean hands it to him and refers to it as a perk of the job yeah and it just does this i know it's I, i know it's an American show. It's an American audience. America is a lot more okay with guns, even if there are a lot of people who are anti-gun. To me, it is so unnatural to see a gun that often. Like, even for me who watches a lot of TV, with the exception of a show where it's about police officers, mm-hmm. I feel like guns are strange. And it's not just a matter of, hey, we're gearing up to go fight this thing. It's, I have this gun. I'm going to really take my time loading it. I'm going to make a big deal about giving it to you and making sure the audience watches you put it away or watches us run around with them. Or it just put a little bit of a focus on them that kind of unnerved me. Mm-hmm. And I think it could have just done without that overall. You know what? I agree with you. I mean, I, I already have a very strange relationship with guns to start with. So for me, whenever I... You know, Drew, it's actually interesting because I had never noticed that. <laughs> I mean, I had never... I had always found it a bit strange because this is something that is very recurring in the in the entire Mm -hmm. series so i think i i got really numb to it like it just doesn't even register anymore it's like oh they're just loading their gun oh yeah they're just doing that thing even though they so rarely use it so rarely yeah but that's also my point like even let's again like i know i've seen future episodes coming up very sparsely and i know I can picture scenes of them loading, like, the salt into the shotgun kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I know that's a yeah. thing they've done before. Yeah, yeah. And we've seen them loading guns before. Uh-huh. But it was just this one time where it felt like you could tell me right now that this episode was secretly sponsored by the gun manufacturer who made the gun they were loading in that scene. And I would not doubt it. Yeah. Because it seemed, like, weirdly tasteless. Mm. Whereas any other time they're in the trunk loading the gun or getting the weapons... There's never a focus. And again, the point the point is there. 
Silver bullet will kill yep. it. Handgun, walk away. Yeah, basically. This weird, sexy reloading of it. This weird, making sure to see him holster it. it just, it just, mm, rub me the wrong way. It's just very phallic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Well, if we're talking about toxic masculinity, my... Which the show does cause us to do quite yeah, often. of course. Especially in the earlier seasons. My crossroads mm-hmm. deal would be to go a little bit easier on the women in refrigerator tropes. Almost everyone who gets brutalized in this episode is a woman. Mm-hmm. When they do get brutalized, as you've mentioned, they think that it's their intimate partner who is hurting them. And so my crossroads deal would be that I wish that the show had diversified their victims even if that means that the MO is a bit different, and so it takes a little bit more research before they figure it out. I just, I'm tired of seeing women suffer just to advance the plot. You know, I, I, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, and two things, if I can do two things on that, first of all, one, to your point of having it change the plot, I think if you rewrote the entire second uh, crime scene, the one with the, uh, the businessman and his wife, mm-hmm. and just flipped the roles, I don't think it would cause them to slow down the research anymore. Yeah. Like, the end result would be the exact same, except it took the form of a woman, which we know it can do, and went after a man, which is the only thing we haven't seen it do yet. And the other thing is, as you said this, I had... You ever have, like, the spark of a thought, and then you immediately realize how stupid that thought is, and it almost, like, upsets you? (laughs) Please share this thought with me. I want to apologize to listeners who are hearing me say this and understand that the moment it crossed my mind, I knew how wrong it was. (laughs) But I wanted to say, you're right, they do victimize a lot of women, but this episode actually victimizes a man finally in Zack. And then I realized, yeah, but to get Zack to be a victim, they had to murder a woman to do so. Yep, exactly. Even when they want to put a man in the position of, he's the one who needs saving, they need to solve this crime to save Zack, the only reason we could get to point B was to leave point A, which involved his girlfriend's corpse. Yeah, exactly. So I apologize that my brain went there for a second because at the end of the day, they had to brutalize a woman completely off camera, never cast, never seen to allow us to get to the point that we have to worry about a man. They still need to brutalize a woman to do that. And that just, that is, you're right, just disgusting. Yeah, it comes back a lot, unfortunately. But, you know... There you go. That's where we are. Not to be an apologist, it's it's all of media. So much media yeah. uses this. And especially 15 years ago. Especially, this yeah. Was, let's remember that, as we said in the first episode, this is the year that Criminal Minds started. And, I mean, who better than Criminal Minds to victimize women? So this was something that was established and wasn't really questioned all that much at the time. So we're, we're also watching it with hindsight. I think, in order to be fair, we have to look back at the cultural setting at the time. So again, not to excuse, but to explain. Exactly. We're never, I don't think anyone should be looking at this and going, well, I'll make an exception because of the age. No, no, it was wrong. We have now grown up enough to see it's wrong and have learned from it. You've been listening to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast produced by Rochelle Castellano, hosted by Drew Shulman and myself, Marie Vigourou. Subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts for weekly content, including special episodes. Leave us a review on whatever platform you choose. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at CarryingWeward. Send us a voicemail at CarryingWeward at gmail.com. We really love to keep the conversation going with our listeners. 
We'll be taking a two-week break for the holidays, but we'll be back on January 8th with our next episode. Carry on our wayward friends.